0: Progressive protects more than
1: just your home and car. You could save when you bundle your motorcycles, ATVs, boats and RVs. Doesn't that sound good? Like the sound of the wind
0: in the trees as your RV
1: sits parked in the forest. Is that the call of the Majestic Owl? And there's the sound of a tree branch crashing into the roof of your RV.
0: Oof, I guess their nest was in that branch.
1: But you know what does sound good? You're covered with Progressive. So bundle all your vehicles and home in one place and save with the multi-policy discount. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Uh, No Anthony Jokey with us on this episode, but do have a special guest. He's a friend of the show, been on the show uh, a few times, and we're always appreciative that he makes time for us, uh, especially when it comes to the Browns versus Patriots, which is obviously the big matchup this week. Uh, He is the host of Pat's Pulpit. You can also find his work at the NFL Wire and also Bleeding, green nation radio it is mark Schofield. mark how are you my friend i'm doing well jackson how are you buddy i am good i like just before we hit the record button i said it's been a crazy last seven to ten days for the cleveland browns uh so many twists and turns there's positives there's negatives but uh like i said we're on to new england as your coach in uh new england would say We're on to the next opponent. So, obviously, Browns-Patriots this week, big matchup. But before we get to Browns-Patriots, Mark, you do break down quarterbacks. We had you on back in 2018 prior to the draft talking about the quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, Monday, you happen to drop a clip. I think you do every Monday of Baker Mayfield but uh, and some of the throws that he makes in a game. But what are you seeing from Baker right now? And do you think there is a correlation between – him having success without OBJ and and the struggles that he did when OBJ was on the field.
0: You know, to, to that last point, Jackson, I think the numbers and the film sort of are in sync on this When Baker did seem a more comfortable, confident, decisive quarterback on Sunday without Odell. There were times when you could see it, whether it was the Chargers game, whether it was the Arizona game. You know, there were moments when either a concept was called where Odell was the primary read and Baker didn't trust making that throw. There was a fourth down slant concept against Arizona, for example, where Baker was the read and I mean Odell was the read and Baker just didn't pull it didn't pull the trigger. Um or was the fourth down drop against the Chargers, for example. You know, there, there have just been moments this year where when those two were on the field, it could just never get synced up right, you know, and that's something I was watching from afar, something I was seeing on film, the numbers bear it out as well. And then you see how he looked Sunday against the Bengals, and it's a much more decisive quarterback. He, he's working through reads. He's patient at times. I mean, he had, you know, a throw that I didn't get into that that video that I did, but the, the lawn out route, you know, Carl route to Chubb out of the, you know, when he was aligned out to to the boundary along the right side, where he had to work through reads and be patient, you know, obviously the touchdown to Najoku, where he's looking off the safety in the middle of the field. He just did seem like a much more comfortable and decisive quarterback without Odell on the field. And I think you've seen that over the course of that Odell time in Cleveland where those two couldn't get on the same page. And Baker just seems like a more complete quarterback when he didn't have Odell on the field. And, you know, I know a lot of people have sort of wondered, well, you know, who's to blame? Is it a Baker problem? Was it an Odell problem? I think Jackson, there is a situation where, there's a little bit of blame for everybody. I mean, there were times when maybe Odell freelanced a little bit or didn't complete plays when he could have. There were times when Baker wasn't getting his eyes to him on the backside dig or wasn't connected with him on some vertical throws. And you could also look at Stefanski and how he kind of used Odell at times. My colleague at USA Today, Doug Ferrar, wrote about how they used him as sort of a, a vertical stretch decoy-type player. Seth Galina of Pro Football Focus did a great video about how they used Odell sometimes on the backside dig in three by one formations, but Baker wasn't getting his eyes to the backside dig. And so I think it's a a situation Jackson where there's kind of blame to go around, but it does look like the organization just came to a conclusion that look, we're going to go forward with this quarterback. We're going to go forward with this offensive philosophy and Odell might just kind of be the odd man out at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I, completely agree with you that i just feel like everyone had a hand and why didn't it didn't work and i think the best thing was that the organization didn't try to drag it any further and they just decided it was time to move on and just to go forward to try to salvage a season that was starting to fall apart
0: yeah i mean i i think that's exactly it you have a situation where your quarterback who it, all indications are they're going to come to us an extension an agreement on a, an extension with baker mayfield and you know, whether the dollars end up being 30, 40, whatever they end up being, you have to put him in a position to be successful. And if you're going to go ahead and make that decision to go ahead with Baker, then if it's, if you've come to the conclusion as an organization that the relationship between six and 13 is a detriment to six and going all in on him, then I think it becomes an easy decision.
1: Yeah. Without question. Uh, you know, moving forward to Brown's Patriots, this is why we had you on the pod today. Uh, Browns and Patriots both at five and four in a very tight AFC uh wild card race right now. Uh the Patriots last year was kind of a, I would say a retooling year. They kind of had to, you know, work through some things in the the first year of the post-Brady era. And then they come back, were very active in free agency. They get the quarterback that I've I think everybody assumes that's the guy that they wanted all along with the 15th pick, didn't have to move up to get him in Mac Jones. And I kind of want to start with Mac Jones, Mark. What are you seeing from him as he is developing as a rookie quarterback? Because I've been thoroughly impressed from the the little Patriots that I've gotten to watch. I'm going to watch some more this week, but I've been overall impressed. And I feel like Jones going to New England was the best situation out of any of the rookie quarterbacks in this draft class.
0: Yeah, I, I think starting there, Jackson, it probably was the best situation. You might make a case that, you know, Trey Lance in San Francisco from a schematic standpoint, from a play caller standpoint, might have been a pretty good landing spot because of the similarities between that Niners offense and what Trey Lance was doing at North to go to state. But in terms of not just the, the scheme fit, but the coaching staff, the stability in the coaching staff, New England is a very good landing spot for a young quarterback because Belichick has been there for decades. Josh McDaniels has been there for a while. We're coming off an offseason like you know where the Patriots spent a ton of money in free agency. You know, they, they've been a very good defensive team, and they look to be, again, figuring out what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball in the past couple of weeks. They've had some good games on the defensive side of the football. And so it's an environment where you could put a rookie quarterback into that starting lineup, and you don't have to ask him to do a ton right away. You can look at run game. You can look at short passing, quick rat quick pass and ball control pass and offense, what you can do on the defensive side of the ball and sort of let him come along, you know, at his speed. You know, I think specific to Mac Jones, you can see signs each week that they're asking him to do a little bit more at times that he's taken on a little bit more, that he's being more aggressive, particularly in the downfield passing game. You know, you look back at week one against Miami, week two against the Jets, the four most popular letters in the New England area were A D O T average depth of target there were a lot of concerns is he too conservative will he ever be aggressive can he make downfield throws are they afraid of letting him do that are they going to handle him with kid gloves baby gloves all season but then you see particularly that game against the chargers jackson there were there were some reads and throws that he made in that game where i think the mac jones of week one and two would have done something differently you know i'm thinking specifically that he had a play where yeah, the two tight ends, Hunter Henry, Jono Smith, and a YY win to the right. Henry runs the curl, Smith to the flat. The curl gets doubled. Smith is wide open in the flat on a first and 10. And I think Mac Jones week one or week two just takes that flat route throw and says, look, you know, it's open. I'll throw it. But against the Chargers, he resets himself, comes to the backside, has a deep post route, over route from Nelson Aguilar, and he throws it for a huge game and you know i don't think the Mac jones of week one or two does that but he's doing that now and so that's good to see from his developmental standpoint you know when you look at what they're asking him to do conceptually it's in many ways similar to what they were asking tom brady to do early in his career there's a lot of stuff to the backs of the tight ends a lot of stuff in the screen game you know last week against the panthers he only threw it 18 times Um, that was more of a defensive win than anything else but he's showing you signs each week that you know he he's figuring some things out he's taking some some steps forward each week and as far as rookie quarterback development goes that's what you want to see you want to see them better by the end of the season than they were when they started and for Mac Jones I think he's on that on that path
1: without a question uh since you brought up Carolina what did you make of his uh incident on the field with Brian Burns and now Brian Burns is dealing with an ankle injury uh did you think it was a dirty move by Jones like I want yeah. your opinion on that situation. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I, I think his initial reaction was, I got hit, ball is out. I don't want to give up a strip sack touchdown. So he grabbed him to try to prevent him from, from making a scoop and score touchdown. The initial thing I don't have a problem with, where I sort of diverge from perhaps, you know, conventional wisdom in the New England area is you can see from different angles. There was an end zone angle. There was kind of a sideline angle where initially – He grabs him, but then Jones kind of can see what's happening. And I think he can have a clear view of, okay, Burns doesn't have the football. And then he hits him with a sort of a leg whip and a roll over. I mean, that's kind of where I'm like, okay, you're initially grabbing the guy. Like, all right, you're trying to prevent the scoop and score touchdown. You're not sure what's going on. It's chaos in the moment. But when you've got a clear view of things and not only do you not let go, you then hit him with like the leg whip and roll into him and take him down like that. I, I think that was a bit much. Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all, Jackson, if his wallet's, you know, five digits lighter um, come Thursday morning. I know Burns addressed the media today and he basically said, look, I'd like to have an apology, but it's not coming. And he ended this, his comments on it with, you know, I wish my D-line brother some happy hunting. So, you know, it's clear that there's going to be some bad blood there. And it wouldn't surprise me if some other defensive linemen, you know, try to put a little extra when they get shots at Mac Jones going forward, because, you know, you don't want to hurt somebody. You don't want to injure somebody on a moment like that. So ultimately look, I I think the initial reaction, I kind of take him at his word that he thought he might've had the football, but I do think that right after that, there was a moment where he he could realize, okay, he doesn't have the ball. And instead of letting go, he hit him with the leg lock, leg whip situation. And all
1: eyes will probably be on miles Garrett this weekend. to See if he potentially goes after him. I'm interested to hear his comments on it. If the media brings it up on Friday, when miles usually talks, but uh yeah, I mean, that was just a bad situation. And I agree with you. I think he will get a a, a nice little fine from the league coming for that for that move, yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, Jones comes into a situation, obviously. He supplants Cam Newton, but he come, he came into a situation where the cupboard wasn't bare on offense. I know a lot of people uh, in the past couple of years were down on the Patriots' skill positions, but, you know, they have a solid running back trio right now. But the Patriots go out in the offseason, Mark, and they spent more than, I think, Anybody ever foreseen them doing, and they did it really at the skill positions mostly. Bringing in Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders, uh, Hunter Henry, and Johnu Smith, both established tight ends in the league, and Kendrick Bourne as well. Uh, A, were you shocked when they went out was spending like drunken sailors? And how has the return investment been so far on all those players?
0: You know, Jackson, I wasn't really surprised. I know it was kind of against the norm of what Belichick does and how the Patriots can typically conduct business, but. You know, they knew going into this offseason, they knew last year, for example, during the Cam Newton season, that they were going to have a ton of money freed up in free agency. And so they had an opportunity to address a number of different holes. Obviously, the two tight ends, they had Matthew Judon, They had, you know, the receivers born in Aguilar. They had Jalen Mills. I mean, they, they made a number of additions on the defensive side of the ball. They bring Kyle Van Noy back. And, you know, so I, I think it went against conventional Belichick sort of handling of free agency but it was the first time in a long time that they really had a ton of money to spend. And so they put it to use. I think the returns are largely solid Um, looking at the offensive side of the ball. Henry and Jones have sort of developed a good little relationship. They've developed some chemistry and they've done some things with Hunter Henry in the past in games and why ISO stuff and things like that, where you could see that he's maybe becoming a favorite, not the favorite, but a favorite target for the young quarterback. Smith has been you know, sort of the outlet slash blocking tight end of the two. And we probably could have seen that coming for years, you know, dating back to his time in Tennessee, Bill Belichick has been raving about John Smith as a blocker. And so this probably shouldn't have been a surprise. Um, Aguilar and and Bourne have have had some moments, um, but this is a passing game that really runs through the tight ends and the backs right now. And so, you know, there might be opportunities down you know, down the road for those guys to contribute more as Jones sort of gets more comfortable attacking downfield. But right now it's a tight end running back focused passing attack. But I mean, the big name, Matthew Judon, you know, he's had such an impact on this defense. And I can, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about him, but he's really allowed them to do some different things defensively, particularly in the past couple of weeks that are also a diversion from the norm from what we've seen from Bill Belichick defenses, but he's been a huge acquisition for them.
1: Yeah. Without question. I mean, the defense is it's business as usual, as I called it when we talk about the Patriots defense, obviously fourth in scoring defense, fourth in takeaways so far this year. I mean, you have, the usual cast of characters, McCourty, Hightower, you, st- you talked about, they brought back Van Noy. You know, they draft Christian Barmore in the second round this year. Uh, JB Collins just came back recently, had a big interception last week in Carolina. But, you know, J.C. Jackson, their best corner. And then you mentioned Matt Judon, big free agent signing, plucking him away from Baltimore, has come in and made a big impact with nine sacks and 16 QB hits. Talk about, you know, Judon and, of course, the rest of this Patriots defense and how they've uh, performed so far this year.
0: Yeah. And I think Jackson is sort of typical Patriots fashion. They took September and really most of October to sort of figure out what they wanted to be as a defense. And I think in the past two weeks, we've seen where they want to be. They want to be a zone coverage team, um, which is a diversion from the norm for new, for the New England Patriots for Bill Belichick, because traditionally he's been a, you know, cover one man free, whatever you want to call it, but he wants to play man coverage on the back end. You know, they'll, they'll have some variations thereof. They'll do some zone stuff here or there. Um, but from weeks one through seven, their defensive backs were pretty much the top man coverage defenders in the league in terms of snaps played in man coverage. That's been wildly different weeks, you know, eight and nine last week against Carolina, for example, I think they had like 30 plus snaps in cover two and another 20 or so in cover three, just eight in cover one. You now they're becoming more of a zone coverage team. And what it, why they're able to do that is because of what they can do up front right now. Because you mentioned, you know, Christian Barmore, the the rookie from Alabama, he's given them a presence on the interior along with Lawrence Guy. And then you have Judon, Van Noy off the edges, you know, with what they can do. They're in a position where they can get pressure with four you know, so they can drop seven into coverage. They can play with some zone stuff on the back end. They don't have to bring five, you know, they don't have to try to, you know, get things covered up with a man coverage scheme behind that. They can play zone coverage and they can beat you with zone coverage because of what they can do up front, which has been really impressive to see from them. I, I, I think specifically to Judon, quickness off the edge, uh, a bevy of past Russian moves and a solid past Russian plan has certainly put them in a position to win some one-on-ones, sometimes early in the down. Um, where you can get pressure early in the play, you know, a second or so in, where the quarterback is just hitting his drop depth and he has to move as a result. But anytime you can generate that as a defense, you're in a good position to have success on that given play. And that's what he's offered them. You know, in the secondary, JC Jackson has a nose for the football. Obviously, he had the pick six um, against the Carolina Panthers. That was in a zone coverage play. But then they had the interception. Um, That was more of a man covered snap against, you know, Sam Darnold, but he's in good position there plays with good technique, good trail technique gets his eyes on the football knows when to turn and, and get, make a play at the catch point. So all in all, they they've started to realize where they want to be as a defense, how they can get there as a defense. And we've seen it the past two weeks, even that chargers game, I expected them to run a lot of single high stuff, cover one, maybe some zone cover three stuff, given what, Justin Herbert's splits were against, you know, middle field close versus middle field open coverages, but they ran a lot of cover two against them that Justin Herbert said they weren't really ready for that so they seem to be figured out okay with the personnel we have up front with what we've got in the secondary we can play more zone coverage we can keep stuff in front of us we can keep eyes on quarterbacks and make some plays both up front and in the secondary and I'd, I'd expect that to continue.
1: Uh JC Jackson is such a, a fascinating player for me because you know he has proven that he is a solid corner in this league, but yeah, he's still on a cheap contract. Is there any indication that the Patriots are going to try to extend him? Or are they going to let him walk into free agency this offseason? I think
0: the trade of Stephon Gilmore is the sign that they are going to, you know, work on an extension with JC Jackson and try to get him signed long term. I mean, that was the You know, going into this season, going into the sort of Gilmore contract year, you know, that was the decision that many Patriots fans and media members were wondering okay, well, are they going to restructure, resign Gilmore and get a long term deal done with him? If so, you're probably not bringing both of these guys back. Which one will they go all in on? And as we've seen in the past, belichick has an opportunity to sign a younger player at a position that's what he's going to do and you know i think that coupled with what they've been able to get from jalen mills they've obviously got some stuff from you know jawad williams who they drafted in the second round a couple years ago miles bryant you know the the small smaller safety slash corner they've got some stuff from him some contributions from him as well but i do think that yeah they're going to find a way to try to get a long-term deal done with jc jackson because he's a very good coverage cornerback and i know they've shifted to more zone coverage but even in man coverage situations he's very good so yeah I, I would imagine jackson you know is going to be their long-term plan at that position
1: and that would be a wise move to say the least because if he does hit the open market he gets snatched up i think oh absolutely quickly yeah um if you're kevin stefanski and alex Van Pelt, and you're scheming up this game plan for sunday how would you best attack this patriots defense for you know looking at what baker mayfield you know we might not have nick chubb we won't have kareem hunt and then uh you know it's unknown at the running back position but how would you attack this patriots defense if you were the browns offense
0: you know i I think you still want to do where you want to try to live where you have as as an offense in terms of you know work in the ground game this is a patriots team that does play with a lot of sub packages You you will see some light boxes You know, you try to exploit that. You look back at this matchup from a couple of years ago. Cleveland had a lot of success on the ground. I know the names are different, um, but this overall philosophy is kind of the same. And so I think you can run the ball on New England. I, I think in terms of the passing game, you want to look at a lot of what Dallas did. I mean, Dallas had some really good designs called where they were able to attack some of the coverages that the Patriots were using at that time. It was a lot of cover one stuff. Now you look at, okay, well, maybe they're more of a zone coverage team Well, you want to attack up the seams, you know, use the tight ends, throw it off heavy personnel, try to get tight ends up seams, you know, against those coverages, whether it's zone or man, whether it's, you know, two high or one high, you know, you'll have opportunities to hit those secondary windows with those tight ends up the seams. I think those should be a part of the game plan. And ultimately, look, you don't want to give Mac Jones short fields. I mean, so, so in terms of what you do offensively, you want to eliminate mistakes and turnovers. You know, you don't want to give Mac Jones a situation where he can just put together two play drive and score. Like if you have to punt to play defense, like you might want to live with that because it's a young quarterback who's going up against a pretty good defense on his, of their own right with guys that can get after him. And so I think, yeah, you, you don't, you want to eliminate mistakes, attack up the seams, try to run the football particularly, you know, up, you know, both to the edges and even on the interior, and you can have success against this defense.
1: And then vice versa for, you know, Mac Jones, you know, how do the Browns look to contain Mac Jones? And even, you know, the running game, you mentioned, you know, Harris, Stevenson, and Bolden, the three-headed monster out of their back, out of the new England backfield. How do the Browns look to uh, shut that down coming Sunday?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I do think you want to bring some pressure after Mac Jones. I I think you want to blitz him at times. Um, I know you can go a couple of different ways on blitzing young quarterbacks. There's one school of thought that, look, if you blitz them, you just give it to them that hot read. But there's another school of thought that if you speed up their clock, you're going to have some success. You're going to force them into some mistakes. And I think you could do that against Mac Jones. You look at what Carolina tried to do, some of their mug looks. You look at what the Saints were able to do back a couple of weeks ago. They were able to get a lot of pressure on Mac Jones and force him into some mistakes and force him into some bad decisions. So I think you do want to bring some pressure, you know, the, the, The matchup between sort of the run D of Cleveland and the New England Patriots run game, it wouldn't surprise me if, if McDaniels and company want to turn this into another ground game, if they want to try to run against that interior, I know defensive tackle is kind of a soft spot right now. If Cleveland is going to be soft in the interior, the Patriots might do a lot of stuff on the inside. They do inside zone duo gap power. They've got a varied run approach schematically It wouldn't surprise me if they try to establish the run, get the run game going, and obviously that opens up where they really like to live in the passing game, which is those crossers to the tight ends, crossers and digs to the receivers behind those second-level defenders off of run action. And so I think that's kind of the battlefield this game will be played on when the Patriots have the football. Can they get that ground game going on the inside to set up what they like to do in the play-action passing game?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's the best way to attack if you are New England's offense is to attack the Browns running – or the attack with the running game from the inside because that outside the Browns have been able to shut opposing running backs down. But inside it just seems like time and time again the Browns are giving up five, six, seven yards per carry uh, early on in the game. Then they kind of adjust and seem to uh, contain it for the most part during, during a game. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you know, Belichick's been there. I think this is his 21st year, if I'm not mistaken, as head coach. Is there any indication how much longer he's going to keep going? Obviously, with a rookie quarterback that's showing some promise in Mac Jones, the defense still doing its thing. And it seems like the Patriots, as early as this year, could be back in playoff contention, maybe in a year or two back in the Super Bowl contention. How much longer is Belichick going to keep going? Is there any indication that uh, he has any signs of slowing down?
0: I mean, as of right now, Jackson, no. I mean, it looks like. You know, Belichick seems happy with this team. He seems happy with the direction of this team. He seems happy with the young players that they have. You know, in addition to Mac Jones, he's been very effusive with his praise of of Christian Barmore. You know, he doesn't certainly seem like he's shown any signs of slowing down. You know, there's always speculation about, you know, when he steps away, who could be next, you know, given a run like he's had in New England. But I think for right now, he seems really happy with this team. He seems happy with the direction and the growth of this team. You know, it seems like a standard Belichick, Belichick team where they take September, and October and figure things out and they're playing better football come November, and December. That's certainly what we've seen the past couple of weeks coming off. You know, and I, I think a pretty impressive win against the Los Angeles chargers on the road. I thought that was okay. You, you've finally gotten over the hump, right? You had a close loss against the Buccaneers. You had another close loss against the Dallas Cowboys, but now you showed you can beat a team. That's, that has got a win a record. That's actually a good football team. It's not the jets. It's not, you know, the Carolina Panthers, who I know are in the playoff hunt, but Sam Donald has certainly struggled. You know, you've actually beaten a team that has has a good resume of their own. Um, so I think he feels confident about what they've put together. I think he's excited about the future. And so, you know, in terms of a time frame, three, five years maybe, um, but I don't see him stepping away anytime soon. He seems to be loving what he's doing. And he's he's often told us in the media, that look, what else would I be doing? Um, he's got the best job in the world. And so I'd expect him to stick around as long as he wants.
1: Yeah, for sure. It seems like he's a football lifer, kind of like a bill wall shoot, just maybe he steps into the front office once he's done coaching and, and runs that department then. But I mean, yeah, I just don't see him slowing down anytime soon. What about Josh McDaniels? You know, obviously last time you were on the pod, Mark, we were talking about the prospect of Josh McDaniels becoming the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I can say with all honesty, I'm as much as I wanted him. I'm glad. We went the other direction with Kevin Stefanski, but he always seems to be a name at the top of the list when, you know, teams switch head coaches. Do you see him taking a bite again at becoming a head coach, or do you think he's content being the offensive coordinator in New England and potentially the heir apparent down the road?
0: Yeah. I mean, in terms of the air apparent, I mean, you look at Josh McDaniels, you look at Steve Belichick. Yes. Um, w- w- would the Patriots turn this over to, to Steve Belichick, who's basically their de facto defensive coordinator, their, their defensive play caller right now. You know, I think from McDaniels' standpoint, a lot of what his future looks like will be decided by Mac Jones. Um, we know this league right now, there's a push to when you draft a young quarterback to pair them with a head coach that can develop that young quarterback. And if, Know, Mac Jones continues to develop well and continues to have success. There will be teams that will look at that and look at what Josh McDaniels has done with him and think, okay, well, we can do that, right? Like, we can go do that. You look at, say, for example, Mac Jones finishes the year really strongly, um, really looks like, okay, yeah, this is definitely the guy. And the Chicago Bears decide to make a switch with their head coaching situation. That, That organization might look at Josh McDaniels and say, okay, he's the guy to develop. Justin Fields, you know, or you look at another organization that might go in a different direction with a young quarterback. Maybe it's Denver again. You know, maybe Denver decides, I know we tried this once, but now he's got a proven track record of actually developing a quarterback. We've got a general manager to handle the personnel side. McDaniels won't be making personnel decisions. We'll just trust him with developing the quarterback. So we're going to draft somebody, obviously, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, maybe that's not the long-term answer you know, maybe an organization like that would decide Josh McDaniels uh, could be worth a second look. And so I think a lot of McDaniels' future as a potential NFL head coach around the league is going to be determined over the next couple of weeks and how well Matt Jones develops, because if he's proven to the rest of the league that he can develop that young quarterback, that's going to get him in the door for some of these interviews. Oh, without question. I think, yeah, like you said, if Jones
1: continues to show growth as a rookie this year, I think teams will come knocking on the door again, you know, despite the reservations that, yep. you know, people have had with him, obviously from the Denver days, the whole situation with the Colts. I mean, but I I still like McDaniels. I'm just glad we went the direction of Stefanski, but I, I, I do like the idea of him, you know, take getting another shot at being a head coach, especially yep. with the reputation that he can develop a young quarterback.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that will be the critical thing. If he's got that, ability to put in front of a general manager in front of an ownership group that look I can develop a young quarterback I it wasn't just Tom Brady you know I wasn't just you know riding Tom Brady's coattails I took a rookie quarterback made him into a bona fide NFL starter into a playoff caliber offense and I could do that for you that's a big card to play in an interview for a head coaching job absolutely Mark as we wrap things up
1: you want to go ahead and give your prediction for Sunday's matchup Browns versus Patriots
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I do like the way that the Patriots have played recently. So I, I I will say New England in this one, but I think it's going to be close. I mean, like a 23-20 kind of game. Yeah. Um, I just like the way that the Patriots are trending on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Cleveland, look, you've got some COVID issues too. Yeah. You know, you might have some different running backs in this game. You know, you've got guys that, that might be out as a result. And so I think when it's said and done, it's going to be a close game, but I think New England pulls it out.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, you know, we just picked up two running backs off the street, and we have Dearness Johnson, who obviously was the uh, national darling a couple weeks ago yep. after his performance against Denver. So it's tough to make a call on this right now. I'm going to wait till later this week when me and Anthony sit down to uh, preview the rest of this game. But, yeah, I expect a close one. It can definitely go either way. And, obviously,
0: a lot of the football world is going to be watching it because it is a pivotal AFC matchup absolutely yeah i mean it's it's one of the better games of this late this week and uh, it's one that i'm really excited to see happen yeah me too absolutely uh mark go ahead and plug everything you got going plug your twitter plug everything where your work's at and we'll get on out of here appreciate that man well best way to find me is on twitter like you said at mark schofield um usa today's touchdown wire big blue view blue green, green nation pat's pulpit um the matt Waldman rsp quick game podcast man i do each week but on twitter at mark schofield that's where you see each monday or so the free throw series where you know i take three clips from quarterbacks and splice them together and break them down for you i have a lot of fun doing it people seem to enjoy it so you can see those on twitter at mark schofield
1: and as always, you guys can follow me on Twitter at JackMcCurry08, as well as the Dog Dogland at the Dogland. Mark, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate you. Uh, and until next time, Browns fans, go, Browns. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Or. House cleaning.
0: Or. Chumba. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions website for details.